Our scripture reading this evening is found in 1 Peter. We'll begin reading in chapter 1, verse 13. And we'll read through chapter 2, verse 12. Our text is found in the first three verses of chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded." Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. 
But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. That far we read in God's holy inspired word. May God bless that word to our hearts. The text that we consider is found in the first three verses of chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, do you desire the sincere milk of the word? Do I desire the milk of God's word? And does that show itself? Does that show itself in the diligent frequenting of the house of God? Does it show itself in your personal devotions? Does it show itself in your attendance at Bible study? Does it show itself in the reading that you do? Do you and do I desire God's word? We can become so busy, even in things we would consider legitimate activities, we can become so busy with work or with other activities that our personal devotions are easily squeezed out of our schedules. Or we can become distracted in the worship as we think about what is coming in the week ahead or what has happened in the past week so that as a result, we are not nourished like we could be by the preaching of the Word of God. There are many distractions 
in the world around us. Not only that, the devil himself seeks to take that word away from us. So we have to contend also with him and our old man does not delight in the word. There's a war. When we think of the exhortation that comes to us tonight, we need to admit there's a war going on within us. Do you and do I desire God's word? The first chapter in this letter of Peter speaks of the fact that we have been born again. We have been born again unto a lively hope. That is, we have the hope of glory. Well, what will it be like in glory? In glory, we will be perfectly holy. We will be consecrated to God. Well, then it makes sense if we have been born again to that hope that we will also desire to be holy. So we have that exhortation in that first chapter, Be ye holy, for I am holy, says God. We have been born again. Later in the chapter, the apostle says, By the word of the Lord. And now the question is, do we desire that word by which we have the hope of glory, by which we have the hope of that perfect holiness? Do we desire that word? I want to take that as our theme, desiring the sincere milk of the word. Let's note in the first place, what is the meaning of that? Secondly, the manner in which we are called to desire that word And lastly, the reason we are called to desire the sincere milk of the word. You and I, beloved, are called to desire the sincere milk of the word. And that's speaking of the word of God as it is written, but It also refers to the word of God which is preached. And we know that because the context in the last chapter, verse 25 says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That written word is the word which is preached And immediately following that statement about the preached word, then the apostle begins our text with that word, wherefore, in light of all that is true about God's word, in light of what all that is true about us, having been born again, wherefore, Desire the sincere milk of the word. That word, of course, that milk 
that it's speaking of then is spiritual milk. When it talks about the milk of the word, it's using a, an analogy so that we can understand what the apostle is saying to us. As newborn babes, we are called to desire the sincere milk of the word. And now even the children can understand this. Newborn babies. They want their mother's milk. They have a desire for milk. There's the picture. Newborn babies. They desire their mother's milk. And now think of the analogy. Think of the picture. In a mother's milk is Everything that a newborn baby needs. If that's all that that baby gets, that baby will grow. It has all the vitamins, all the the nourishment that a baby needs. And even though... Scientists and companies have tried to improve upon a mother's milk. They are not able. And how much more was that the case in the days that the apostle wrote? If a child was not able to get its mother's milk, its very life was in danger. There's the picture that the apostle gives to us of the word. The word, God's word is like milk. God's word has all the nourishment that we need. And man's philosophy, man's thoughts, man's wisdom, the wisdom of the world cannot improve upon the milk of God's word. If you and I want to grow spiritually, we need that word. That's why a passage like 2 Timothy 3.16 that speaks of the word of God says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Scripture is profitable for spiritual growth. It is profitable for doctrine, for growth in Doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what the milk of the word is. All of scripture. It is profitable. It is used by God to equip us to serve him. That word is profitable to work in us so that we would do all kinds of good works. Speaking of good works in the broadest sense. That's what the apostle says to Timothy as well. 2 Timothy 3.17 That the man of God may be perfect, that is mature, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the nourishing milk 
that the apostle is talking about. And if you and I want to be holy, we need that milk of the word and we need that milk to be sincere. The apostle adds that word, desire the sincere milk of the word. And that word sincere in the original is the opposite of a deceitful word. Think about all the philosophies of the world that are a deceitful word. Go to college and they show you the so-called evidence that the world is millions or billions of years old. And that's a deceitful word. Because they don't, and they don't tell you about the assumptions, the false assumptions that they make to come to that false conclusion. And you can point to all kinds of things that the world teaches that are deceitful. They are words that ultimately come from the devil to lead us astray from God. Maybe the word that Everybody has good within themselves. Instead of teaching total depravity, the world teaches a deceitful word concerning our condition by nature. The sincere milk of the word is the opposite of deceitful. A deceitful word is a word that's not spoken with the purpose of building us up in the faith, but rather seeks to lead us astray from the faith. A deceitful word is an adulterated word and is a distorted word. We need a sincere word. A word that's not deceitful at all. We need a word that we can trust to tell us the complete truth. And that's what we have in the scriptures. A sincere word. It's not deceitful at all. It tells us exactly the truth. The unadulterated truth. Not always a truth that we like to hear about ourselves. The sincere milk of the word tells us of our sins and our sinfulness. It tells us of the curse that is due to us because of our sins. We need that word to tell us about our misery, but we also need that unadulterated word that speaks of our complete salvation in Jesus Christ. We don't want a word that's adulterated that says we are saved by Christ plus something else, we need the sincere word that teaches of the complete salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. We need a sincere word that tells us of the thankfulness that we owe to God and how to show forth that thankfulness for all that he has done for us. We need, beloved, a sincere word that is the complete 
counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, the whole of the Scriptures, not just part of the Scriptures, not just some of the truths of the Scriptures, but the whole truth. And now think of milk. If you had a mother's milk, but you took out, if you were able to take out just one vitamin or one substance out of that mother's milk, the baby's growth would be impaired. We need the whole counsel of God. We need the sincere milk of the Word. We need that milk in order to grow. That's why the Apostle exhorts us to desire it. It's not making a statement that, well, we do desire it, but rather it's exhorting us. It gives us a command. Desire. You and I are called to desire the sincere milk of the Word. And that's not talking about just a slight inclination to the Word, uh, inclination that we might have every now and again. It's not the kind of desire that says, well, I suppose I could have some. But it's speaking of a craving for the word. And the exhortation that is given is an urgent exhortation to us. As if the apostle raises his voice and says, desire the sincere milk of the Word. As if to say, make it a top priority in your life. Why does the Apostle say that to us, beloved? He says that to the church because you and I don't have the desire that we ought to have. We have only a small beginning. So, He calls us to have this desire for the sincere milk of the word. Do you long for that word, beloved? Do I long for that word? The apostle goes on to speak of the manner in which we ought to have this desire. And in the first place, the text speaks of that manner when it uses the phrase, as newborn babes. Now I can ask the children again. Children, how do newborn babies desire their mother's milk? When it's time to feed, will it do to simply play with them or talk to them. I think even the children know that when newborn babies are hungry, they will have nothing else. They want to have their mother's milk. They have a strong desire. That's the idea of the apostle in the first place. As newborn babies, they have a strong desire for their mother's milk. And that's the desire that you and I ought to have for God's Word. Do we have that appetite for the Word of God? 
so that we are willing to forego certain pleasures or other activities or do we set aside our devotions because we have something else that we think is more urgent? Do we have a great desire for the word preached so that we make every effort to diligently frequent the house of God? Not just go once in a while, but go as often as we are able to worship our God and to hear his word. That in the first place, a newborn baby has a strong desire for milk, and that's the kind of desire you and I ought to have for the word of God. But in the second place, he has a regular, newborn babies have a, have a regular desire. They don't just want to have milk once a week. They want to be fed four or five times a day. They have a regular desire. And so, if you think about us as newborn babes, does that describe our appetite for the Word? Or is our appetite such that we say, well, it's okay for me if I'm topped up once a week. That's all that I need of the Word. If we saw a little baby that didn't want to eat, we would take that baby to the hospital because we would say there's something wrong. A parent would say there's something wrong with my child. It doesn't want to eat. And if it doesn't eat, it will surely die. So too, we who have been born again, who have been born again to a lively hope, surely we desire the sincere milk of the word. And if someone doesn't desire that word at all, that shows something is dreadfully wrong. If someone doesn't want to read their Bible at all, if someone doesn't want to come to church, there's something wrong. And now we must also see in ourselves, beloved, that our desire is not the desire that it ought to be. That's why we have this exhortation. Each and every one of us, if we were honest with ourselves, would say, I don't have the desire that I ought to have for the word of God. That's why the apostle addresses us with this exhortation. We don't desire it to the degree that we ought to. But God uses this very admonition to work that desire in our hearts. As newborn babes. 
who want to grow desire the sincere milk of the word, who want to grow in holiness. Well, if we want to grow in holiness, then read and hear the preaching of the word of God. But then in the second place, the manner in which we are called to desire that sincere milk of the word is given in verse 1, the apostle says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, all of those are connected to the exhortation to desire the sincere milk of the word. They tell us the manner in which we are to desire that sincere milk. And now think of it this way. And we're going to talk about the various evils that are spoken of in verse 1. But if we are hanging on to these evils... Those things are directly opposite to our desire to grow in holiness. We desire the word so that we grow in holiness. But these things that are listed in verse 1 are opposite. The apostle is saying there's a connection. There's a close connection with desiring the sincere milk of the word by which we want to grow in holiness, and laying aside these evils. And that makes sense. If I want to hold on to all these evils that are spoken of in verse 1, and I insist on holding on to malice in my heart, and guile, and hypocrisy, and envies, and I insist on holding on to evil speakings, that's the opposite of desiring the word by which we grow in holiness. So it will be impossible to do the same, both of them at the same time. In other words, They're mutually exclusive. The more I'm holding on to these evils, the less I will desire the sincere milk of the word. And if I refuse to lay aside those things, to the degree I refuse to lay those aside, to that degree it will be impossible to desire the sincere milk of the word. I say these things are opposed to desiring that milk of the word by which we grow in holiness. We could put it another way. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. There's that master on that side and that master on that side. We cannot serve both of them. And if we're going to put on the new man then we must put off the old man. We can't be putting on both at the same time. 
So the apostle says, laying aside all these things. What must we lay aside? All malice. All mean-spirited and vicious attitudes towards others. Lay aside those attitudes that desire the hurt of our neighbor. Lay aside all guile. And guile is a deceiving of others. A guile, someone who is practicing guile deceives others for their own advantage. And now connected to that guile is hypocrisy. So someone may pretend, someone may pretend to be someone they are not in order to gain some advantage for themselves. Put aside all guile and hypocrisies and envies where we look at someone else and want what they have, whether that's some position or some honor that someone else has. Lay all those aside. And all of those things, that whole list, leads to evil speakings. Lay aside evil speakings. And now, beloved, that applies to us as individuals. If we desire the sincere milk of the word, we will lay aside those things. But now see also how this applies in a church. In a congregation, if there is malice, if there are evil speakings, it will be very difficult to desire the sincere milk of the word. If someone speaks evil, always finding fault in the preaching, it will be very difficult for them to desire the sincere milk of the word that comes in the preaching. Lay aside all these things, the apostle says, in the way of laying those aside. Laying aside not just some of these things. Notice how the apostle says, implies that we ought to lay them aside completely. Notice the words he uses. Laying aside all malice. And all guile and hypocrisies and envies. And all evil speakings. Lay them completely aside. And now think of someone who refuses. Who says, I'm not going to lay this aside. I'm going to hold on to this sin. Well, they will have difficulty. That will affect their desire for the sincere milk of the word. They won't want to hear that word anymore. Someone who wants to hold on to these evils. The apostle is speaking, you see, when it addresses malice and guile and hypocrisies, it's not just saying change our outward behavior. But lay aside these things in our hearts. True holiness. We want to grow in holiness. 
lay those things aside. Why must we desire the sincere milk of the word? We alluded to this already, but the apostle gives the reason. Why lay aside these vices? Why desire the milk of the word? That ye may grow thereby. Desire the milk of God's word that we might grow in holiness. That we might grow in our separation from sin and grow in our consecration to God. Jesus tells the parable of the word that is put on the different soils. Some fell by the wayside, some fell on rocky soil, some fell among the thorns. But it's significant that some was placed on good ground and it brought forth 30-fold and 60-fold and some 100-fold. The word brought forth differing amounts of fruit. Some bore a little fruit, some bore much fruit. Beloved, if you and I want to grow in grace and bear fruit, then desire the sincere milk of the word. That's the message of the apostle. And we could ask the question, is it even, is it even possible that a child of God would not desire to grow, that a child of God would not desire the sincere milk of the word. Every child of God who has been born again unto a lively hope, every child of God will desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow. Now, the Apostle's word applies to us as individuals, but I want you to notice also that he uses the plural in the text. So that word applies to a whole congregation. Notice, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye, plural, that ye may grow thereby as a body. And we find that same thought in other passages of Scripture. If you have time, some time this week, you can read Ephesians 4 that speaks of the body, how the body speaks to one another in love that we as a body might grow up into Christ in all things. There's a growth of the whole body, a whole congregation can grow. When we seek the truth and when we speak the truth in love. There's the positive side. The negative side, which we alluded to, is that the whole, not only does the whole body benefit when we desire the sincere milk of the word, but the whole body suffers when there is malice 
and when there is guile and when there are hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings in the church. If as a congregation we desire to grow, we ought to put all of those things aside. Lay these aside and long for the sincere milk of the word that together we may grow. If so be, the apostle adds, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You understand the apostle is not saying, well, maybe you have tasted that the Lord is gracious and maybe you haven't. But rather, the idea is this. Since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, since you have been born again to a lively hope, since you have been given the Spirit of Christ, since you have been those who have experienced the goodness of God, in light of that, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In light of the fact that we have been given life now, it only makes sense. If we have tasted that goodness already, then we want to taste more of the goodness of God. We have tasted that goodness that is revealed in Scripture then we want to hear more of the preaching of that scripture. If we have tasted that goodness, we want to have personal devotions and taste more of that goodness that is revealed in the word. The fact that we have tasted of God's grace in Jesus Christ should stir us up to desire more of that grace As God's people born again to a lively hope who have tasted Christ's goodness to us, we should be those who are addicted to the word of God. We should go to great lengths. We take it for granted now because we all have copies of God's word, but we should go to great lengths to obtain that word, to meditate upon that word. You find that so often in the Psalms, the psalmist speaking of his love for the word of God. When I examine myself, beloved, and when you examine yourselves, we see that we have not desired the word as we ought to desire it. But the very word that we ought to desire speaks of the glorious forgiveness. When we repent of our sins, God is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we pray to God sincerely that he would work in our hearts a greater desire. When we pray for grace and the Holy Spirit. God gives us grace and the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, ask and ye shall, uh, it shall be given to you. Seek 
and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. God gives to those who ask. And that means, beloved, not just going to the Word again to gain head knowledge, but when we go to the Word, when we desire that Word, we are coming to Christ as unto a living stone. Through His Word, we are not just getting to know some facts, but we are getting to know God Himself through His Word to us. Desiring the Word means that we look not just to the Word, but we are looking to Christ for all the blessings of salvation. These, the Word itself is not grace, but it is the means of grace that we are to desire. Do you want to grow in holiness to give praise and honor to God? then desire the sincere milk of the word. May God grant that to us, to the glory of his name. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, we confess our lack of desire, but we also see within ourselves a desire. As thou hast given us the hope of glory and the hope of that perfect holiness, we desire to grow. Grant, O Lord, that thy word, thy word preached and meditated upon may be the means that thou dost use to cause us to grow. Forgive us where we have fallen short and continue to lead and guide us by thy word and by thy spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.